rest today for me. How often have you heard the said to you, trust me? Have you heard that very much? You know, people go along. Uh, I know of a time when there was a puddle in front of me and somebody said to me, ah, trust me, you can get through that puddle. Uh, it was a stream. And uh, I did go through it. Uh, halfway through, I got scared. So the person that said, trust me, um, I shouldn't have said that because he didn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Water will take you down the stream. But many times I hear people say, trust me. I remember not too long ago when Ole and I were out there setting a fire by a glorious house. And uh, <laughs> uh, Ole said, well, should we burn that? It was a big fire. It was a big place. And I said, ah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Did I know that it wouldn't set the barn on fire? No, I didn't know that. I was just being like everybody else. Yeah, trust me, it'll burn the barn down. It didn't burn the barn down, yeah. Even though the flames were probably as tall as the barn, which is about 25 feet high, and the flames were pretty high. But isn't that something that people will say, trust me? Can you trust everybody that says, trust me? I normally, when somebody says, trust me, uh, it's like a red flag goes up. If you are what you are, and you, and you do what you say, why would you have to say to somebody, trust me? You can just say, do it. And because your character is that way, you don't have to say, trust me. It's who you are. And so most of the time when I hear, trust me, I question, I question what they're wanting to do. Uh, take the country today. Uh, I hear a lot of people, some, and a and, and number of people that are on, uh, say, alternative news, they really say Trump is a really good guy. And he's really doing a real good job. And then I hear the mainstream media say he's destroying the country. But there are a number of alternative media people who say, do we really trust Trump? Do we trust his advisors? Uh, we have his advisors uh, come up to the stadium, up to the podium and say, the hospitals are just loaded down with people. And then there are those that go out there with their video cameras and there's nobody there. Or they're doing... no presidential flag anymore. Have you noticed that? Why? What's, what's that about? And the, and the presidential seal, which is normally on the front of the podium, no longer is there. What's going on? What, what's this about? What are we supposed to be trusting here? 
I pulled up an article off the uh, internet. It's called, and, and there's, some, there's a bunch of, bunch of different ones. I just pulled one of them off. It's called Empire of the City States. Now think about that. Empire of the City States. There's only three in the world today. Only three places in this world that, that there are city-states that are not part of that country. They are their own country, their own state. They do not go by the uh, laws of the country. They have their own laws and their own rules and their own regulations. Number one, and this is all part of the New World Order, so this is why we're having to wonder what's going on in this world today. This is all part of the New World Order. Okay, the first city-state is one really close to us. It's called the United States government or United States cooperation in Washington, D.C. It does not it is not a part of the United States of America. It is its own country. Then you have another one called the City of London. Do you know that the Queen of England, to go into the City of London, has to have permission to come in? Because it is not a part of England. It is the city-state of the City of London. The third one is the Vatican. Even though it's where it is, it is its own city-state government. Uh, and I got this all part of this. I'll, I'll leave this article up because it's interesting because it helps to uh, give us a little idea of do we trust what we hear? Are we being told the truth? It says here, the empire cities, the empire of city, the empire of the city, actually exists in three places: the Vatican, the London, and the United and Washington D.C. And what it is is the uh, the Vatican is the city-state controlling the world religions. London City or City London, controls the world's currency. And the United uh, Washington, D.C. controls the world's force. They're the police department of the three city-states. And that's interesting if we, if we would think about that. Who's telling us the truth? Our government who sits up there and they're telling us, trust us. We have doctors that come up with Trump and say, this is a worst virus, worst thing ever happened and, and we've, got to, we've got to close the country down. They are closing the country down to destroy the country. We have doctors who are actually out there helping people are told when somebody dies, unless it's from a gunshot or a stabbing, it is the death is by the coronavirus. 
Do we believe what these people are telling us? What is truth? I want to go through just the fact of deception or being deceived. The word deception, this is point one, the word deceiver comes from Strong's 4105. It's P-L-A-N-A-O. It's a cause to roam from safety, truth, and and virtue. It is also to go astray, be deceived, err, seduce, wander, and be out of the way. So when people are deceived, what are they doing? They're deceived from what? Safety. What is safety? For us, what do we look at as being safety? It's being in the body of Christ. What about truth? It's in this book. We know that John 17.17 says God's Word is truth. We know Christ, when He was... uh, being confronted by Satan who was trying to deceive Christ, said, you live by every word of God. Not just part of it. Every word. And what is virtue? The moral excellency or goodness. You can see that in Philippians 4.8. Virtue uh, considered a, is considered a necessity ingredient in the exercise of faith. You are who you are. You don't have to say, trust me, because you are who you are. And too often, we find ourselves confronted by people who say that. But can you trust them? If they say, trust me, can you trust them? Can we trust our government? Who is on our side? I know who's on my side. I know who's on the side of the church. It's Christ. And who's a, who is our enemy? Satan, who has turned the world. And it's going to come down on us. I remember not too long ago talking with a person and wondering about this coronavirus. And I said, what does Scripture say? This is only the beginning. There's more to come. <laughs> And it's going to get worse. Satan hates humanity. And he really hates God's church and God's people. You know that it's possible that you could be deceived. What's, what's so interesting about being deceived is you don't know you're deceived. But you can be deceived pretty easy. You can be seized by failing to admit to yourself that things there are things that are true. So you hear, or we come to Sabbath services, we hear great messages. They're the truth. But do we, do we say, yeah, that's the truth? I find in the church today, like Matthew 25 says there are ten virgins. Or 
Revelation chapter 3, where it says that the, a great part of the church, in fact, just about all of the church, at one time or another, is sit back and say, I'm okay. I live in this great country where everything is being stripped away from you every day, getting worse day by day. But is there a reason for us to look into being deceived? God says in point two would be we're warned by God. God saw He sees everything so far in advance and we only see it on a daily basis. We can hear what's going on. We hear uh, one side saying, oh, we're going to help you out and we're going to give you all this goodies and help you out and you don't have to work. And the other side says, never go to work. Uh, and some say, you need to get back to work. What's the truth? We're being, we're being duped into following whatever the government or the officials put to us. But God warned us again. Matthew 24. Turn there, Matthew 24. And that's where we're given a lot of information. We'll just read that and get this open here because I wanted to read more than just the one or two verses there. Matthew 24, we'll begin in verse 3. And as he sat upon the mountain of olives, his disciples came to him privately. So here his disciples came to see. It was just his disciples came to him privately. And uh, saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They too wanted to know what was true. They too wanted to understand because there's so much that's not true. There's so much that seems to be true, but it's not. And Emmanuel answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Right away, Christ starts out and says, Be careful. Start examining things. For many shall come in My name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. One of the things that is going on behind the scenes that we're not told, because maybe we don't look into it. Maybe some people do. But you know, you can't just take the Bible. You have to see what's actually going on in the world besides... The Bible tells you what's happening. Go and see what's going on, because it's there. It's following the pattern. So we find that in this world today, one of the things that you're not told is that this new world order is looking for the Messiah to come. Not Christ. Okay, don't get me wrong. They're not looking for Christ. They're looking for their Messiah. They believe that there is going to be their Messiah. Christ talks about it. A false prophet. He talks about a false Christ coming. They really believe in working toward that to come about. Do we believe Christ is coming 
And do we believe and are we fully convinced that we should be doing His work? But these people of the New World Order all believe it is going to come about. They, this is their life. This is the way they believe and this is what they are working for. For many shall come in my name saying, I am the Christ. They're <laughs> going to say that. we got religions out here that say that Christ is Christ, but they're not teaching what's in this book. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, that, and be not troubled. For these things must come to pass, but the end is not there. Well, we've been going through wars for a long time. A long time. And there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in different places. And all these are, verse 8, only the beginning. So they're happening, but sometimes we can be lulled asleep. We can be deceived to thinking there's still a lot of time. We can be deceived in finding that uh, I don't really have to... And a lot of people were told ahead of time, put groceries up because there's coming a time there won't be any. And when it hit, and this has just happened, there you can't get things in a grocery store anymore. And they are limiting what you can get. So is famine on its way? Hunger? So we said, Christ said, warning us ahead of time, take heed. What do you mean, take heed? I mean, start looking into things. Take heed. It's going to happen. It's not as it will happen or could happen. It is going to happen. Jeremiah chapter 29. Even in in the ancient, even by the prophets, God giving us warning that these things are going to happen. Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to read 8 and 9. Chapter Jeremiah 29, 8 and 9. For thus says the, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, our Creator, our Father, let not your prophets or your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to their dreams which you cause to be dreamed. So here are people, and what's happening? You hear all kinds of religious things out there today. He said, to, to look into it, be not deceived, because these things are going to happen. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. And you can hear that. Go on the, radio, on the TV, go on the internet, you can hear them prophesying different things. They're not they do not have the truth. And you can't believe the things they're saying. For I have not sent them, God says. I haven't sent these people. But there are a number of them on the alternative media that are telling you that. 
So we're to be, we're warned to be on guard. Well, if you're in the military and they put you on guard duty, what do you do? You take a nap? I can remember being during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Put us out there on guard of a radio shack. You didn't go to sleep because you were there by yourself. If you did, you could wake up a thousand or two thousand years later, whatever it was. No, you are on guard. You can't... And being in the church and with the message that God has given to us, you can't be lukewarm. You're not here to pray, pay, and stay. You're here to learn how to be God, how to be a, a leader, how to bring on a better way of life. So point three then is, are we really committed so when I say, are we lukewarm? Why God says in Revelation 3, verse 17 on, are we lukewarm? Because this is not, this is not our religion, okay? This is not my religion. This is my way of life. This is the same life that God has offered to all of us. So it is a, a way of God's life. Notice Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14. God wants us to be committed. He doesn't want us to be pulled aside. If we are really, really committed to what we are here for, what God has brought us, each one of us was handpicked by God to come out here. He's given us tremendous information. We're handpicked. He wants us to be not lukewarm, not just occupy a chair or keep the feast or whatever. He wants us to be committed. So if you're committed, when push comes to shove, you'll be shoved. You're going to be there. You're going to do what Christ said. You're going to pick up your cross and stand with Christ. You might be beat on. You might be killed. We don't know what's going to happen. We know it's going to get bad. Really, really bad. So Ephesians 4 and verse 14. This is what commitment is. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. You know, you can't hear this and go that way or hear that and change your way. You are. You can't be carried about by every wind of doctrine. And what do we hear in this world today? What is happening in this country? You hear all kinds of things. And you can believe whatever you want to believe. Or you can believe what the Scripture says. Not carried about by every wind of doctrine or the slight of man's hands or cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. That is what's happening all around us today. I, I see that on this property, people have been deceived into a total different doctrine than you have been taught, that they have been taught. A total different doctrine. Are they, are they not 
aware of what they're doing? No, it's human nature to be deceived. Colossians 2 and verse 8. Colossians 2 and verse 8. This is commitment. This is what God wants from us. Beware lest any man spoil you, verse 8, through philosophies and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. Christ gives us a message. He teaches us. But we have to weigh the facts. And if you are committed to this way of life and you hear something strange, you're not going to change. You've heard it preached here. If a person walks away from God, he's allowed himself to be pulled to the side. It's just a little bit of pull here, a little bit more here, and a little bit more here. And before you know it, you're outside. And you forgot it. Many people that I've known over the years got pulled aside by the rudiments of this world, traditions of people, and they're no longer following what Christ told them to do. So, you're hearing God's message every week. And Holy Days, we hear more. But you're hearing God's servants. You're hearing God's message. And it's up to you to be compliant, not compliant, but committed. You can say, I sit in church. You can comply by the law and go to church. You can comply with the law and pay a tithe. You can comply by the law and give a, 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 uh, an offering. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 says, even if the person is the greatest speaker in the world, he's missing something if he is not committed to God. It says, you can be the greatest speaker and you can sway people and have the, the greatest talking person fable if you don't have God's love which is God's Spirit, you're nothing. You can be the richest person in the world and give and help people, but if you don't have what God's Spirit has, you're nothing. You can be the most understanding, the great student of everything and know everything about everything, but if you don't have God's Spirit, that's the love of God, which is the antidote you know, if you take poison, you know what the antidote poison is? Whatever it is to keep you from getting sick. What is the antidote to... Uh, we were told in the sermon prior to the feast of uh, unleavened bread to look at uh, Galatians 5 and read about the works of the flesh and the fruits of God's Spirit. You know what the, the antidote to the works of the flesh is? The first of God's Spirit. It's love. That's the antidote. It changes everything. All right. First point four. Point four. Who's behind this deception? Who's behind deception? Well, in this country, uh, it's hard to say, isn't it? Is it the president? Is it the cabinet? Is it 
Congress? Is it uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi? Or Adam Schiff? No. It's the master deceiver. It's been out there. The deceiver that deceives people, deceiving this nation, leading this nation down a path of destruction. 1 Corinthians 11, or 2 Corinthians rather, 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3. 2 Corinthians 11 3. But I fear lest by any means the serpent which beguiled Eve through his subtlety so your minds should be corrupt from the simplicity of Christ. It makes it hard. Satan tries to, to make it difficult. You know, it's awful to have to go to church. Uh, there have been people, young people, just coming into the church, just coming into the knowledge, and other children said, you don't want to be there. It's a hard way of life. You can't go and play basketball on Friday nights or football, and you can't go to the movies, and you, you can't have uh, free relationships, you know, trial and error marriages. It's hard being in church. No. Christ's simplicity is a way of life that brings peace and happiness. Revelation 12, verse 9. Revelation 12, 9. And that great dragon, which cast out the, uh, was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. This is the, this is the deceiver. This is the master behind it all. Satan, the devil, he deceives the whole world. Was cast out of, er, uh, cast under the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. In 2 Corinthians 11.3 said, Be but fear lest you by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity of Christ. Read that again. I, I guess I put that twice. Satan is the deceiver. He's deceiving this nation. We have people in this, in this nation that are not have not even prepared for being quarantined. And now you go to Walmart and you can buy one piece of meat. You think you're having it easy? Point five. Don't let others take your crown. It's possible that you've been offered a part a an opportunity to be part of the bride of Christ. Are you going to let somebody deceive you to the point where you lose that crown? There's only 144,000 crowns. And people, and I've been in church for a long time and I've seen people say, I, I know I've got to do this, I want to do this, but I know where the church is. That was said to me in 1974. 
And I do not think that person could find the church of God today. Revelation chapter 3 verse 11 says, Behold, Christ is speaking, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast that which you have. So here Christ is saying, Get a hold of what's been given to you. We have sermons every week. Do we hold on to them? I've said this before many times. That what's said to you in a sermon, we don't just we shouldn't just say can take our notes. We should go back home and look into those things. Sometimes, you know, you might have to go and see, well, maybe maybe there was maybe that's not true. Or maybe it is true. How do you know? Are you going to let somebody deceive you? It says, hold fast that which you have that no person, no human being can take that crown that's been offered to you. That means you have to do something, doesn't it? Second Timothy 4, verse 8. God doesn't want you to lose that crown. He didn't call you. He didn't handpick you that you would lose what He gave to you. Henceforth, verse 8 of Second Timothy 4, Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me the day in that day. And not me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. It's, you know, I said earlier that the people that are working on this new world order or this uh, shadow government and that's what this uh, three city states uh, uh, are a shadow government um, these people really believe and are really really working for what they believe to take over this world the bottom line that they have is depopulation and running the world. The elite, they look at the elite and the rest of the people who will serve the elite. And they want to depopulate this world. So they're looking for depopulation and war and famines and they are taking care of themselves and they've already prepared ahead of time. They've already taken care of what they need. Colossians 2, verse 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward in any voluntary human humanity and worshiping angels, including those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up in his mind. So they're going to try to take your crown. No, they don't think they're going to have your crown. They think they're going to take what you have. They are going to come against the church. You've heard that preached here in this little congregation for many years now. And the shadow government wants to take what you have. They want to take away everything that you have. They are puffed up. They believe that they are right and they're going to take everything you have. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. We're here, we're told by God. We've got a crown. He said, verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. You could, if you waver, you could be deceived. And if you're deceived, and, and I, I see this happening, I see it happening here on this property. That people are being deceived and they're going to lose everything that was given to them. Point six. We can be deceived. Satan's the master deceiver. He knew how to do it. He got to Eve, didn't he? How, the point six is, how to keep yourself from being deceived. There is a way. First of all, a deceptive person, you have to understand, the first thing you need to understand, if you are deceived, you won't know it. You won't know that you're being deceived. That's, that's a standard process with a deceived person. So then, there are things we can do to be kept, to keep from being deceived. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 A memory scripture we've always, we've done in the church. Prove all things. That means you have to do as Herbert Armstrong said when I first came in, one thing that that caught my attention was take your Bible and blow the dust off of it and read. If it's in the Bible, it's got to be truth because it's from God's Word. So it says, prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. If it's not good, you can let that go. But the Bible is truth. It is God's Word. 2 Timothy 2.15 Another thing, the second thing we can do is to study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. A, a, a person who is honest, upfront, he's not ashamed of his studying the Scriptures. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That means you've got to, you've got to read it. We can hear sermons and hear sermons, and, but if we don't prove What's being said? What did the Bereans do? You know what the Bereans did? It says in Acts 17.10, these, the Bereans, were more noble than the Thessalonians in that they received the Word with readiness of mind. In other words, they were ready, open-minded, ready to hear the Word and searched the Scriptures daily whether these things were true. So we sit here, we hear sermons, are we ready to hear them? But we're told then to go out and search the Scriptures to see if they're true. We can also go to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Second Peter chapter 1, 10. Where it says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. 
Giving diligence doesn't mean sitting back and taking it easy. It doesn't mean let the minister or the speaker do all the studying. Give diligence and make sure that that you're doing the way God wants it. For if you do these things, you will never fail. God makes that a promise that if we're looking into it, proving it, we are not going to fail. So, point one, what is deception? What is it? Is deception. It's being taken away from what is safety. What is safety? Is being with God. That's where your safety is. Because if you're in this world, you're not going to be safe. You're going to wind up dying, starving, going through an awful lot. Point two was we are warned to be on guard. God admonishes us to not let up, not to sit back and be Laodiceans. Point three is we are, we have to be committed. You can't be a sideline. You can't be one who just watches. Ten virgins. Five of them watched. Five of them heard. Five of them were there. Five of them were on guard. Five of them researched the Scriptures. Five of them went in with Christ. And five of them stayed outside. Point four, who is the enemy? Who is behind the deception? It's Satan. Satan doesn't like the church more than any place else. He doesn't like humanity at all. And these people who are thinking they're going to have their one world government, uh, when Satan gets done with them, they're not going to be any better than anybody else. Satan wants to get rid of humanity. So who's behind it? Who's behind what's happening in this this country today? We want to blame Trump. We want to blame Pelosi. We want to blame uh, uh, somebody else. We want to find blame for somebody else except ourselves. You know, we don't want to put ourselves in that position that I am the guilty party too. No, the main deception is Satan. Point five: God's offered you a crown. He's offered you eternal life. Something so fantastic. So spectacular. If we would just grasp it, like these people who want to be the shadow government, they are so fixed and believe so strongly in what they're doing that they're willing to do anything and everything to achieve that. God gave us a crown, offered us the crown. Are we that fixated Are we that convicted that we're going to get that crown? Point six, there are ways to get around it. There are ways that we can stay away from being swayed in the wrong direction. 
And one last thing I want to give you, a, a little story. I took it out of this uh, article on uh, city-states. I'm going to let you read it and think about this. Contemplate this. This is the last. A man was asked, do you know how to catch a wild pigs? Catch a whole herd of wild pigs. You know how to catch a whole herd of wild pigs? There was a professor who was there thought it was a joke and asked the person, the spotlight, the speaker, uh, what's the punchline? Well, the young man said, there's no punch, there's no joke to it. You want to catch a, a wild uh, pigs, a, a, the whole herd of wild pigs? First thing you have to do is you've got to go out into the forest and find a big cleared area. A big cleared area. Big enough that you can, you know, you can get a pretty good sized herd of pigs in it. And then you put up a lot of corn. So you take a bag of corn out there and you pour it on the ground. If the pigs find it and they begin to uh, come and come every day and day after day and you keep giving them you keep giving them corn. Well, then one day you go out there and you put up one piece of a fence. One side of a fence. Well, the pigs are going to be leery of that fence now for a while, but they got the corn there. So you put more corn out for them. And you keep giving them corn. And if, when they get used to that fence, that piece of a fence, well, then you put up another side of the fence. And you give them corn. And they, they kind of are leery and they don't maybe not come in right away. But eventually, because it's free, the corn is free, it's there. I mean, hey, why should I do something else? I'm going to get that free corn. So you put up another side of the fence and put more corn out. And eventually they get used to that three-sided fence. And But there's corn and it's free. It's for me. And so they go in there and eat the corn. And then you put the fourth side up and put a gate in it. Put corn out. Put the corn out. The pigs come in. And you get the herd inside. And they're eating the corn. And you go over there and you shut the gate. And now the pigs look up real quick and they start running around. They can't get out. But hey, there's free corn here. So they go back eating the corn. What's happened? Soon, they go back to eating the corn because it's free. And they are so used to it that they, uh, that they have forgotten how to forage in the forest for themselves. And so, they, are, they accept their captivity. Think about that when you think about deception. That's it.